Listener Production. Hi, this is Paul McIntyre. Welcome to the MI3 Audio Edition. I've been a business journalist for 25 years covering the marketing, media, agency and tech sectors. In this series, we talk to industry leaders about the global and local developments that you need to be across this week. This audio edition is created in conjunction with partners as part of our Market Voice series. Well, we know there's a lot of flux at the moment around audience movement between free-to-air TV and broadcaster video on demand, or BVOD, and the way brands and agencies are trying to adapt to a converged world where both come together. Right now, legacy thinking and systems in how TV buying and planning is done is facing a watershed moment. Everyone, agencies, TV networks and brands, are trying to figure out how to bring linear TV and digital audiences together and cut what is increasingly an artificial separation between the two. But it's not easy, changing up decades of behaviour. Perhaps the best example so far of how a new world of converged TV audience planning and buying should or could look like is what's been dubbed the Unilever trial. Unilever, along with its media agency PhD and 7West Media, used early VOZ data, which measures and deduplicates linear and digital TV audiences, to do total television in a better way. In that case study, we know from what's been released publicly that Unilever landed a 20% improvement in audience reach and audience duplication was cut to 4% when it combined linear and broadcaster video on demand together. Not too much more can be said about Unilever's experiment, but a couple of the architects of that pilot are on the mics today to unpack the broader industry challenges, roadblocks and opportunities for what is likely to be the biggest shake-up in the TV business for a long, long time. Joe Barnes is National Head of Investment at PhD, and Alex Tansley is Head of Convergence Audience Trading at 7West Media. And we're about to have a pretty interesting conversation on what a new TV trading environment could or should look like in the next 12 months as a wave of change in measurement and audience planning and buying hits with velocity. So welcome, Joe and and Alex. Joe, I might start with you first. I know you can't say too much more about what you did with Unilever and Seven, but perhaps explain why the pilot was done, Joe. At a macro level, what was the problem you were trying to solve for in this challenge of linear TV and digital viewing? As we sort of talked about, we know every brand, every agency is grappling with what next looks like. So just the broader macro context on this, Joe, of of what was behind the Unilever trial and and welcome too. From an investment perspective, we were wanting to address the migration of audiences from linear to digital and it was evident these audiences were not being considered as part of a total TV solution and we really wanted to challenge that. It was clear that we were not capturing the full holistic view of the audience. They were quite separate um, and that was following through to a number of areas in terms of our results that we were seeing, namely our audits as well, were not being captured holistically and we really wanted to bring that together. Look, the challenge, um, I guess, applies to your entire client portfolio, Joe. How are different brands sort of tackling this, approaching what they're doing and how different are those strategies? I imagine it'll be a little bit different depending on the maturity and the focus of the client in question. Look, it's still a fairly new proposition. The Unilever trial was an industry first and it really only happened six months ago. Our strategies are evolving quickly off the success of this trial and they're built bespoke for our clients based on their needs. I think the difference across brands is how the data partnerships we employ can more effectively identify and reach those key audiences. 
And for example, Seven has a partnership with Equifax, who has financial data for over 18 million Australians. So what insights can we gather and what segments can we create to enrich our total TV strategy? Alex Tansley, we've covered some of what's going on, at least from a media agency perspective on this. Um, What are the biggest challenges uh, from your perspective right now for television networks and agencies and brands? There's still some, you know, I think we talked about this, there's some legacy thinking and processes that are holding a bunch of innovation back, I think. Um, Your colleague, Natalie Harvey, actually said at the Future TV Forum that, and I'll quote her, she said, you'd be surprised at how many brands don't allow their agencies to deliver audiences across BVOD where the eyeballs are. It has to be delivered in in linear television, which just seems crazy. So I'm interested in terms of your perspective, Alex, what you're seeing the market and what you're doing internally. And welcome to you too. What's going on? Thanks, Paul. Uh, I mean, I think in in many respects, the biggest challenge has been actually defining the challenge to begin with. So we kind of took the approach of going back to kind of square one with our whole business, because what we sort of recognized was as viewers and the consumption of our content has evolved significantly over time, there's, there's a gap building in terms of how we deliver that audience in terms of trading models to our brands and agencies. So for us, it's about the, the clear challenge for us that we've set ourselves is to firstly close that gap. Um, and be able to evolve our trading models to where the audiences are, but also set ourselves up to be flexible for where the next evolution is going to occur, right? Because that evolution will remain constant. So mm. uh, I think that's what kind of one side to it from, from, from our point of view. I think what that gap has kind of meant for the market, and you know, Joe touched on some of this, and this is one of the key things we're looking to address with this model, is that because of that gap and audiences continuing to shift from linear to digital, Many brands who don't yet have the avenue to access that in totality are kind of facing compounding pressures on some of those linear um, linear audience trends, right? So biggest area of feedback we get in terms of the challenges of the market is around the ability for TV to drive reach, cost of that reach, and pressure on audience delivery. So for us, it's a kind of prerequisite of everything we do in this space to be able to address those as a baseline. Um, and from there, we start to build out different opportunities on top. And so what do you think is the biggest challenges to getting there in this converged buying environment, right? We know Linear's dropping. We know BVOD's picking up. You know, to date, Voz, the, the emergent system is just coming to market now, right? So there's been some inability to sort of get a full picture. But now that we're starting to see that full picture come, come to market with Voz, what are the sort of the, the watch out areas for the industry now moving to this total television perspective in both planning and buying? Because there are still some blockages. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the biggest watch out that, that we kind of identified pretty early in this is that we had to get our definition of convergence right and what that word actually means, because it can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. So for us, we're very, very conscious of not just taking linear TV and digital TV and trying to make them the same thing because they're not the same thing. So for us, our definition of convergence has to be built around the benefits of both and bringing together those benefits in the, in the most efficient possible way. So what needs to be fully converged is the access and the, and the transaction and all the operational side of that audience delivery, as well as the mindsets and the thinking around it. But if we just try and make the two the same and, and run the risk of, of kind of diluting, allowed, diluting out a lot of that kind of unique benefit, then that's not the right outcome for anyone. So I think from a, from a network perspective and, you know, all, all the networks on our side, what we're trying to deliver is, is kind of get to the same outcome, right? We're still just trying to deliver all of our audiences um, in an effective way at, with as much scale as we can, right? So 
what we're trying to deliver for brands hasn't necessarily changed in any kind of fundamental sense, but we're trying to build a new pathway to get there, right? So for us, the onus that, that we kind of take as networks is to build that pathway because if that pathway is not there, then that leads to a lot of confusion in markets. So, you know, trying to simplify it down to not reinventing the wheel in terms of the outcomes we're delivering, but making sure that the pathways make sense and being able to get there collectively with the market as well. So first stop, I mean, we, I think we talked earlier about how, you know, you've got buyers and agencies at least will have to look at regional audiences, metro audiences, BVOD, digital audiences, try and bring that together. First up, what you're trying to do at seven at least is bring all that into a single spot uh, where it can be done without having to toggle through multiple systems. That's, that's a kind of almost a process play, isn't it? Yeah, so there's kind of two, two, two areas, right? There's, there's all your systems and technology and data, FOS, um, all the underlying technology on our side and, and across, all, across the industry. That all needs to, to, to enable the future, the future model that we're working towards. But I, I think the important thing as well is that none of that really matters unless you get your strategy and your thinking right up front. So something like VOZ or, you know, a new technology suite is obviously a really critical component on this. But if you don't get the strategy and the mindsets and, and, and evolve the way people think about audiences, then those things can actually cause more confusion than, than answers. So for us, it's been a really, really conscious effort to focus on education, sharing knowledge, not just internally for us, but, you know, bringing agencies like PhD along to be able to work together and, and, and share all of that knowledge collectively across both entities. That's been a really important collaborative part of, of what we're doing in this space. And, and that will underpin everything going forward. So we are investing heavily in that tech side. So we are doing a complete overhaul of all of our technology because we admit it wasn't up to, up to scratch. But without the right approach and the right mindsets to be able to use it correctly, we, we wouldn't be on the right track. So can I ask both of you then, and I'll start with you, Alex, so how has it been done historically and what is it starting to look like? What changes both on the, the media owner side, the agency side and the brand as we move to this new world with Voz is sort of uh, powering the total view on audiences? What was done and where is it going? What does that look like, Alex, from your perspective? What changes? Yes, I mean, if you look at just our business, right, you've got metro television, you've got regional free-to-air television, and you've got digital television, right? So there's three kind of what was historically siloed areas of, of or pockets of audience that traditionally have been traded in completely different systems with completely different deal structures. And the whole thing was, was separated, right? So, you know, as opposed to what's historically been three access points or three workflows or three um, different systems to access what's effectively one national audience, mm. the, the, the fundamental change is being able to, to access that audience in one place with one point of contact and then using things like Voz as a key enabler to be able to look at what the benefits of that approach is. So all the kind of pieces of the loop have to come together in terms of the measurement, in terms of the systems underlying it, in terms of the people and the overarching strategy has to kind of bring that all together. So ease of access has to be. Yeah, ease of access. I get that. So where are you on that timeline, Alex? How far are you away from Nirvana? So we're, we're a lot closer than, than, than we were probably 12 to 18 months ago. So we're about halfway through our kind of technology overhaul on, on 7 side at the moment, um, what we're calling Code 7 Plus. Effectively, what we're doing is overhauling every single booking and trading system behind the scenes, every trafficking and, and booking system across metro, regional and digital TV to bring them all together. So 
we've launched a couple of components of that and we're about halfway through the the kind of end goal for us is is towards the start of next calendar year where all of those systems are able to come together and and operate in a converged way which is really important so mm. for us this notion of convergence whilst there are still differences between linear and digital that underpins this entire project um, which is really important for us to get right got it and so for you joe on the buy side how has it been done and how is it going to be done? What's your sort of utopian notion of what better looks like? I think it's interesting that we've got a, wor- a word in there that talks, talks about converged. Uh, mm. It's very much about how our teams need to be structured as well. So at PhD, we've spent a number of years creating these robust client teams, converged teams, if you like, where the specialism sits within the teams themselves. And on that, how are they doing it differently or how do you think they will do things differently? Literally in, in a, an example of we used to do it this way, but now it will look like this. Can you give me a scenario, paint a scenario there, Joe? Well, I think it'll just be the fact that more investment dollars moves programmatically. That's really what it will change. I don't think we're going to be doing anything fundamentally different. We'll have um, more data sources. We'll be able to have more robust measurement strategies in place. We'll have more insights and that will propel the dollars forward, I would say. I don't think we're fundamentally changing anything. I think if you haven't got your teams set up to be able to enable that, then that's probably where you need to start. Mm. And that's the so Alex talks about sort of more the the systems coming together and making it easy and central to actually access and do the work. Uh, when it comes to the audience side of it, i.e., planning the audience across linear and BVOD, how do you bring those two together? Because obviously the measurement systems are different. You linear ratings and and digital measurements different. How do you bridge that divide, Joe? Or how do you see it happening? Well, I think there is a, a planning strategy and that's where the audiences are and then there's the trading strategy and how you reach those audiences. So I think that for a period of time, we will have two different trading models. We can plan holistically already, uh, but, right. ha- but how we trade, you know, it will be um, in two different methods for a period of time until we see greater migration into the you know, the streaming digital audiences, and then it will all be be traded programmatically with the data overlays and the like. So, and that's, I guess, the challenge that a lot of agencies will be working through at the moment is how do they bridge that gap between the linear and the digital trading models? What was the sort of the secret ingredients, which by me saying secret, you're not going to tell me, but what was different about what you did with the Unilever trial where you had you brought those audiences together and you got the benefits because, you know, we're talking about gains of uh, reach gains of 20% and duplication down to 4%. It was simply the process of how did that come about? How did you get those benefits? Secret question, secret answer. I did think you'd say that, Joe, but I will ask Alex then in, in more broad terms that doesn't get Joe in, in trouble, Alex, what was, I mean, I, I'm interested in how you got to those that upside of better reach and deduplication of audiences happening. What was in the process? Not necessarily about Unilever, but how do we get there? How do we get those same gains? I mean, I guess the, the first thing is that with this whole converged project, I, I guess we spent the first six to 12 months just understanding our audience. That, that was the first point that we wanted to make sure we got right before we took anything to market. We need to use the, the early iterations of the VOS data to understand as much about our audience as we can. 
What did you discover when you did that? So I think there was a lot of pre preconceptions around what we would find in the sense that, you know, you would have often heard prior to, to, to the data being available that Bebot's a much younger audience. Um, it's, much, it's a fundamentally different audience in that, you know, there's digital native streaming on BVOD, there's kind of structural differences between the audience as well in that many people don't have an antenna, many people don't have the right broadband connection, et cetera, to be able to access both sides of the equation. So from our perspective, it was around kind of testing a lot of those initial hypotheses we had around our audience in the sense that we wanted to assess how different are they, why are they different, and can those differences be leveraged to get a better outcome? So what we tested was a lot around that duplication. What's the overlap in the audiences? Um, how do they fundamentally relate together? Um, is there a different kind of audience profile across the two groups? So some of the things we did learn was that, you know, BVOD is a much younger audience. There's a bigger opportunity to drive that digital native incrementality. So that's a key source of opportunity. Uh, but we also found that as the BVOD audience is growing, the overlap between the two is actually shrinking, which was a really kind of Mm. interesting insight for us to to kind of unpack because it gives us an indication that you know the way in which viewers are engaging with bvod is far different to what it used to be right if you think five six years ago bvod was catch-up tv right that was what it was designed right. to be it was meant to be catch-up but as time's kind of got kind of gone on we're seeing that kind of definition of bvod being catch-up tv is almost completely eroded now so for us to be able to see that that overlap was shrinking rather than growing as Bevold audiences grew in, in scale was a fairly significant insight into us, into us being able to, I guess, confidently and consistently deliver a strong outcome as opposed to having to kind of search in the weeds for, for, for opportunity. So the fact that those audiences are so different is what gives us consistency and confidence to be able to deliver the types of outcomes that we saw for Unilever. And so what happens, and that was early and probably hard work to do, now as we see Voz coming through into the market, I guess it becomes a little bit more accessible, a little bit easier to do. So do do the same principles apply now? Does every client still need a custom amount of attention to each campaign? It's just not a plug and play, press the buttons. There's still some work to do at the top. Yeah, for for sure. The one thing we really don't want this this whole thing to be is for it to be a one size fits all. And we're trying not to, to, to position this as necessarily a product in the kind of rigid traditional sense that, you know, a, a network would take a new product out to market, for example. What we are really conscious of, of, of doing with this entire project is moving the industry towards a new baseline and a new default approach. So establish with all the research and all the insights that we've spent the last 18 months pulling together and the next kind of six to 12 months of continual research and continual test and learn. Once we have that base, then we can move towards a new baseline where a total TV approach becomes the kind of default. And then there's multiple different custom iterations on top of that. Um, But again, it's not a case of just dragging and dropping what we did for one brand and doing that for everyone because every Mm. brand has unique challenges that we've kind of touched on already, right? So making sure that we're able to almost start with a reverse brief to the market is really important to say, what are your challenges? challenge us to build a solution that hits exactly what you need. And that's how we actually build this model, as opposed to seven kind of building a siloed siloed approach that, you know, we just try and fit everyone into. So in terms of seven, uh, Alex, we, you've talked about a lot of investment going into your systems and technology to bring it up to speed. 
but also what was the agenda for your resources and people and skill sets? Did you, I mean, has there been a lot of retraining to understand, like to have a look at the market from your people's perspective on a total TV play? What did you have to do with your with your own capabilities? Or what are you doing with your own capabilities probably? It's probably not finished. Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, we had, a, we had a fairly unique opportunity at Seven about 18 months ago with the acquisition of Prime. So we already had to go through a, a, a fairly sizable kind of restructure and rethink about our people. So for us, that was a really big opportunity to not just bring our metro and regional businesses together, but to effectively draw a line in the sand and build everything for, for a converge in a total TV future. Because, um, you know, moving to be a fully national total TV business, it's kind of the only opportunity you'd get to do that when all three of those things uh, first came together. So our whole team is built on this underlying principle of convergence. We understood fairly early in this process that it wasn't a case of just having, you know, a handful of us pushing towards this space, but then the rest of the team still operate in, in their own silos. We knew that we needed to, to, to bring those teams together, at least from a mindset and strategy perspective, right? So the biggest thing that we've actually converged is the way people think and the purpose for what they do and all the different strategies coming together at the top. It can't just be a case of taking your linear and digital teams and throwing them together. That's not the right way to do it. You know, you can kind of do whatever you like to an org chart, but if you don't have the hard yards into actually changing the mindsets and the strategies and the purpose, then sometimes that new structure can actually kind of make things worse, not better. So that unification of the, of the purpose and the mindset and the outcomes that we want as a business actually is the most important part to getting our teams um, to be able to move in this way. So we still have all of those specialists. We still have, and you still need all of those specialists. I think the thing that we've actually realized out of all of this, that in this converged world, your specialists actually become more important right. because it's that little nuance on top that, that drives the best outcome. So what we're actually seeking to do with our technology and, and, and kind of product roadmap is actually give our specialists more time in their day to be able to do all that fundamental nuance at the top of the list and have them spending less time doing the kind of operational stuff. So, you know, if anything, this converged space is about bringing the specialists to the top of the top of the funnel as opposed to having them in isolation. Right. But you also have a layer of a, a convergence team who sits over the top that tries to bring it together as well as your specialists. Has that set in stone now or are you building towards that? What does that look like? Yeah, so we have to kind of take it back to what elements are right to converge. And the things that the quickest wins for, for us are in some of the operational stuff in terms of our agencies and clients want us to have less points of contact. So bringing together some of those top layers as, as, the, as the point of entry um, is, is really important. So when we think about the things that we should be converging and the things that we should be making the same, um, it's a lot of that kind of top line and operational stuff around one point of entry for our brands, one uh, unifying a lot of reporting behind the scenes, a lot of the databases and a lot of um, analytics and all those types of things coming together. But in terms of the strategies to, to deliver on, on good ideas and good campaigns, you still need those specialists to be able to think of you know, all the different nuance that is linear and, and digital TV. So, Joe, with what's how Seven is sort of structuring itself or preparing itself for this, is that what you need? Is it, this is what it needs to look like? Is there going to be iterations? Will most of the market move to something like this with iterations? And is it landing for you in terms of it working? Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, the, the bigger piece in this is about change and, you know, agencies, clients and the industry, 
you know, we need to want to change things. We had a progressive client in Unilever who also wanted change and was willing to come on the journey with us. We had a media partner in Seven who was progressive as well and wanted change. So it was a very collaborative process and a huge undertaking. It took months to work through this trial and we had local and global stakeholders to manage. Internally, we did a number of different scenario plans and modelling. There was definitely a risk element, which comes with anything new, um, even though Alex said he would de-risk it. <laughs> there, is still, <laughs> yeah. there is still that fear. What is the risk though, Joe? What is it? Because is it perceived risk as opposed to real risk? It's real risk because there is real money that's being traded in a new way that hasn't been done before. And, you know, to stand up to a client and say, this is what we'd like to do, you know, trust right. us and, and we've done the work and we believe in this model, we take that pretty seriously. So we were very invested. So in terms of how Seven is building itself out for a new way to market, do you see that as a template for what all broadcasters and networks need to do in some form? Is this where it's kind of ultimately what you need from everyone? It is. It really is. And we consider ourselves media agnostic and we went to market to, to find this solution to this particular challenge that we had and, and Seven had that. Mm. And is it mirroring what Seven's doing with its structure and its its capabilities and how it's dealing with uh, building its people up, its capabilities and its people? Is it similar to what you're doing or is it quite different in terms of, you know, is there a mirror going on here or is it quite, you know, what you need is different to how Seven needs to, to do things? I think our teams are well equipped. They have been for a while now to be able to trade across multiple channels Internally, we're very collaborative, so it's it's more the ease of transaction and that's right. going to be more programmatic focused moment forward. I mean, it already yeah. is, but it'll just be more so. And if we've got a single point of contact to be able to liaise with on the sales side, then that just makes it a whole lot more holistic. Got it. And programmatic, I mean, you're talking there programmatic stroke automation on linear. Is that what you're expecting then? Or when you talk about it's all going to go programmatic, is that both linear and digital that you're talking about? And how does that look for you, Joe, in terms of that? Well, eventually that's what we'll end up with. We'll end up with, you know, greater connectivity across screens and it will all be in the digital space. So it will all move to digital impressions and digital trading. The linear will just be what it is. Be what it is. Yeah, but there's maybe there's more automation coming on even on the linear side. I don't know, Alex, is that when Joe talks about programmatic, she's talking in a digital context, but you've still got linear. You can you can trade, you can probably do things better and more efficiently with automation in linear, but it's not going to be traded per se like that, is it? Yeah, I mean, it, it, there's a lot of improvement that can be made on both sides, right? Because at the end of the day, this idea of convergence is still taking two different things, right? So if you don't improve either of those things in isolation, then you, you struggle to get a better outcome overall. So, you know, a, a big part of our tech overhaul is to improve things on the linear side to, to automate um, a more audience-led approach on linear where, where appropriate for, for, for the right brands. But I, I guess the thing that we're underpinning our whole investment and project on is the notion of flexibility to be able to evolve and cater to any, any needs, which historically we haven't had that flexibility to the degree that we need to. So there'll be a lot of advancements on the linear side, 
as, as well as the digital side as we move through the next couple of years. Joe, do you agree with Alex's um, assertion a bit earlier where he said the specialists become more important and that to get to that 10% nuance where the magic really happens, is that how you see it going for PhD? Definitely. The uh, specialists will play an even greater role. It's such a complex landscape and TV trading in general is so intricate. So to take that approach and then trade it programmatically and through digital platforms and understand where the audiences are sitting across the total video ecosystem, you know, that that will be key. So Mm. um, we do need specialists, yeah, absolutely, just because it's so complex. And Alex, when you talk about that 10% nuance, just uh, what's in that? What's wrapped up in that 10% that's the, the special magic at the top? beyond spots and dots placement and what what is in that 10 percent yeah well i think the the easiest way to think about convergence is just saying okay we've got two things that both have an audience let's bring them together and start to treat that the same i think the the 10 percent comes in the way you leverage the different elements of that audience so one of the things that, that we're conscious of with introduction of something like voz for example is we're conscious to not lead the market down a path of just now trading digital in the same way that TV has always been traded in terms of Austan markets and traditional demographics and coverage maps and all those kinds of things. That might be the right answer in, in some cases, but a lot of that nuance comes from particularly on the digital side, leveraging some of those benefits around more sophisticated targeting, postcode level geo-targeting, data overlays with, with all the different data partners we have, all the different kind of innovation in ad formats is mostly happening on the digital side. So QR right. codes and shoppable and different things like that. So all of those things have a, have a lot of nuance in them. And when you actually break down all the different ways you can activate with all of those things in mind, there's actually, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of different permutations of what a campaign can look like. And obviously that requires a really kind of laser focus on some of those nuances with each of those different elements. Mm. So in 2024, Alex, paint me a a scenario of what good looks like in how you will engage with a brand and an agency in a more converged approach. What does that look like? Give us a case. Give us an example, a hypothetical. Yes. I mean, again, it kind of comes down to the continual evolution of, of the broader kind of mindset and thinking of the industry, you know, kind of counterintuitively. Not that I'm trying to put myself out of a job, but <laughs> the, the kind of what good looks like is that the word convergence doesn't actually exist anymore. And we've right. actually established that new baseline of which we've, we've set a new default approach. So there's a long way to get to that, um, of course. So I might have a job for a little bit longer. <laughs> yeah, I've got an idea. We just changed your title, Alex, to the head of non-convergence audience trading, and then you'll be all right for another 10 years. There you go. Sounds good to I'm me. I'm here to help. Yes. <laughs> So, Joe, for you, 2024, what does an ideal scenario look like for you? Voz is full steam in the market, and that gives you a little bit more opportunity to do some things. But how do things change for the better? What does better look like next year, 2024? So, for me, it's around solving our clients' challenges and and bringing the solutions to them and using, you know, the media partners to do that. I think... Yeah, enhanced measurement and data partnerships will be key. Being able to prove the effectiveness of what we're doing through robust measurement strategies, but also importantly for auditors to also approach it in the same way because that will deliver us a far better outcome. 
for everyone, really. Yeah, and that and that's that gets interesting in there. Are they keeping up? You'd have to ask them. Alex, do you think the auditors are keeping up? Uh, that's a definite no comment from me on that one. <laughs> right, I'll go and ask the auditors. That's, that looks like I might have a ne- I might have a story next on that one. Um, that has always been a challenge in this, so I can I can understand the, the sensitivities. Let's wrap this conversation up with, I guess, something that I'm uh, intrigued with because there's a lot of uh, rumblings in the market about it. A combined TV marketplace right now, we're sort of taking a bite with what Seven's trying to do and and what you're doing with PhD and and the broader client base. But ultimately, there's lots of rumblings around what a a combined TV marketplace uh, with linear and digital is coming. Do we need it and how likely is it? Joe, start with you. You would want that, I imagine. I would say it's highly likely. I definitely want it. But from a buy side, you know, we need to consider the total video landscape and streaming services. We need an omni-channel solution here. And that goes beyond what you're talking about when you say total video? Are you talking beyond BVOD? Is that what you mean? Correct. Yes, beyond total video. How do we get there, Joe? Well, we have players in there such as YouTube. We've got Netflix, Disney Plus. So as more and more streaming services come into the market, we need to be able to plan and buy across that whole ecosystem, not just BVOD. You know, frequency capping, Mm. for example, would be key. So how can Mm. we look at it holistically? This is a great Mm. start and great, you know, step in the right direction, but ultimately that's what we need. And so for you, Alex, um, let's just start with the first bit, which is uh, a combined marketplace from the TV networks with BVOD and Linear needs to happen? How likely? What's being talked about inside your walls? Give us all the good detail. Yeah, I mean, I think, as Joe said, very, very likely. And it's something that needs to happen, right? Because one of the biggest areas of of feedback that that I'm getting in market now is that, you know, wherever we go with this kind of converged or total TV kind of trading, it can't be something that that actually fragments the market more. It needs to be something that unifies. So mm. our our approach is, you know, obviously we want to be the best at it, um, but it's in our interest and everyone's interest to have as many points of unification as possible. Um, and I think the Beboard Marketplace is a really important one in that. But also just in term again, just in terms of the strategic side and and the, and the way in which we're moving, I think it's in everyone's interest for all the networks as well as other players in, in the video market to be more aligned in where the industry needs to go, different types of measurement, et cetera, because it is in our interest. So this, this is not something that we want to further fragment the market. We want to be able to move the whole industry forward in this space to drive a kind of mutual benefit for everyone. Joe, if you were to th- have a punt um, in terms of timing for at least a BVOD marketplace, when do you think that could happen or land? Would that be a 2024 scenario or a 2034 scenario, Joe? So VOZ took almost five years. So let's just see how long this takes. But initial conversations is it's happening and it's moving in the right direction. Right. So you, you would expect to see some progress by next year then? 2034. 2034. <laughs> Alex, no. are you that optimistic? <laughs> I'm probably slightly more optimistic than 2034. A lot of the big barriers have been overcome already on on that side of things. So, so Alex, what's your, what's your take on the marketplace? You know, we had an announcement or we had some some updates last week on exactly this. What's your sense on on timing and when we will see some real action? Yes, I mean, I think we've made a lot of good progress this year, um, getting a lot of the the key kind of key alignments from all the networks as well as some of the DSPs and SSPs. So 
the next kind of six months is critical just to start working through some of the specific requirements and rolling out some test cases. So we'll see that start to happen in the next few months with a view that by you know Jan 1 or, or Q1 next year, that we're in a position where we've learned everything we need to learn and it can roll out more holistically. So the good news now is that we've got a lot of tangible things that are in action and now it's just a matter of getting it exactly right to make sure we're, we're delivering the best product to market. Well, there's a bit of action happening there, Joe. So, I mean, that's where I guess you say, well, we're, we're, there might be some light at the end of the tunnel before 2034 based on what we, we heard last week. Yes, completely. And once we have the ability to trial and test and understand what this marketplace looks like, then we'll be in a much better position to take it into our teams and to our clients and see what the benefits are. Mm. Alex, um, Joe talked about the need to go beyond, um, it needs to include all and total video, those other players. And this has been subject to some decent debate, you know, about a month ago at the Future Television Forum where, you know, Google was or YouTube was asked, would they, would they play? And there's some sort of now dancing around the fire on whether, how we'd bring that together. So there's still some challenges there on both sides to get that total, total video view, if you like. Um, do you see a path of anywhere that will make what Joe wants to see happen? Uh, I, think, I think there's different ways to, to approach it, right? It, and it comes back to the same way that we think about not trying to make different things the same. I, I think there's a degree of that in this conversation as well, where we have to kind of take the approach of what elements of, of the different areas of the video market are actually right to bring together. I think to Joe's point, brands and agencies need to be able to have that holistic view. So then it comes down to, to how we can leverage the different measurement of those two to get a more holistic view from YouTube perspective and, and, and other players. You know, I again take the, take the view that it is better, not worse to have those points of unification, but the measurement has to be right. The measurement has to, has to make sense and it has to, be, has to be to the point where it doesn't dilute out any of the kind of uniqueness of every different platform. That's a really important part, I think, that underpins it all. And until we get there, Joe, I guess you're, you on the buy side are going to sort of have to skunk and hack some proxies to get there. That's essentially what you're left with where you get a better holistic view on all broadcaster video on demand with a central platform in trading, but you're still going to have to sort of use your own nows to try and bring in some of those other channels and work out what that looks like. Is that sort of what's on you now to try and work out? We have some advanced tools internally that allow us to look at it to some degree, but what we ultimately need is this closed loop scenario. And that's where, you know, the whole planning across the whole ecosystem and buying across the whole ecosystem will be key. And that could be 2034, definitely. Boom. Well, listen, um, Joe Barnes, Alex Tansley, we're headed in the right direction and I look forward to sort of hearing some more case studies, probably some more Unilever case studies we can talk about in maybe three, six months where we start to see a bigger number of, of brands start to get to see some benefit from this and I'd, I'd love to catch up on that. So in the meantime, keep trading, keep planning, keep buying, stay safe and um, we'll catch up in, with some more case studies three to six months' time. Thanks for joining. Thanks, Paul. Thank you, Paul. This MI3 audio edition was presented by Paul McIntyre, that's more. Producer Nick Slater, music by Matt Dwyer. For more episodes, go to listener.com or download the Listener app and search MI3 audio edition to listen for free. Listener.